to always get the latest Game Tea, do not forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. We post memes, gaming news, retweet friends of the pod, and of course, let you know when new episodes are available for your listening pleasure. Links are all available in the description of this episode, so check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. everybody and welcome to another episode of the game t podcast my name is jp i'm peaches all right so um kind of like i alluded to in the last episode zach and czar are once again not with us today and we have no segments that are made for two people so peaches and i had to make one up and i don't even remember what inspired us to do this it was like i gave so i was like talking to you peaches about like some weird unpopular opinion that i had about like i don't know achievements in games something about like multiplayer or something yeah you were just talking about some unpopular opinions right well yeah you just said uh i'm, I'm gonna share a uh, unpopular red dead 2 opinion i had and uh that's that's pretty much where this came from i mean i suggested that jp talk to me for an hour and a half about the last of us 2 but I, he didn't seem very into it <laughs> i didn't <laughs> no, yeah, you you definitely seemed like oh no, I got the la- I only had one hour and a half in me. I don't have a second hour and a half. Yeah, I mean that's totally true. Uh, to be <laughs> fair, I don't. I can't hurt. I don't want to hurt like that again. <laughs> so today, peaches, you and I are going to be doing unpopular gaming opinions. Now, in this segment, there are no rules. There are no boundaries. There are no points. All you have to do is give some of your most unpopular gaming opinions and discuss them with your cohorts. That is all we are doing today. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is like most of the reason I'm on is because I'm always there for an unpopular opinion to make everybody just facepalm for a second before we move on. Fucking livid. Just fucking outraged. (laughs) Just so insanely mad that they text me as backlash. Like, why did Peach just say this? I'm like, I don't know. You have his number. (laughs) All right. This will be fun, but I am also a little worried. That's why I'm making you go first. All right. I started with my coolest, like, unpopular opinion. Uh, By coolest, I mean, like, this is a it can be a kind of lukewarm take but if you remember there was quite a backlash when mass effect 3 came out and people were very upset about the mass effect 3 ending okay now i i would say that mass effect 3's ending is fine all right it's it is not game or series ruining the uh, the whole meme about oh wow your your entire game comes down to red green or blue I that's I think that's bullshit I think that the ending of the game is fine I, no matter what happened people are going to be upset and I think the way that the actual story decides to finish it's a, it it was a good conclusion to the story that apparently is getting picked up with a Mass Effect four we'll see where that goes but I'm trying to stay as spoiler free as possible it does not mean that the Mass Effect 3 ending is flawless. I certainly have problems with uh, specific parts of it, but 
I think as far as game endings go, it is is certainly not the worst. It's certainly not the it's it's fine. It closes out a story that was going to be very hard to close no matter what. Right. So is that I, I feel like the outrage. I, I think anybody that was outraged at the ending is mad because they didn't get a cherry on top ending. So is that actually does that cause a lot of strife in the Mass Effect community is like arguments over whether or not the ending of the Mass Effect 3 was good? Is that like a big talking point? When the game was first released, if you dared say you liked the ending, you were like (laughs) you were buried in comments like on Reddit. Don't you dare share that opinion on Reddit in 2013 because you're going into oblivion forever. I banish you to the shadow realm. <laughs> it's it was it was rough. I think because it's been eight years since the game came out and the audience has cooled off a lot more. I, I think the people that hated the ending still say it was like one of the worst endings of all time, but you don't hear them talking as much anymore. And like I am on parts of the Internet where people are kind of in the same camp as me where they're like, yeah, it was it was a fine ending. You know, some people think that it was great. I, I disagree with that. But again, like I said, this is my most lukewarm, unpopular opinion. That's a pretty common, like unpopular opinion amongst fans of a game is like whether or not they like the ending. Like, finally enough, talking again about The Last of Us Part Two, that's like one of the biggest, like unpopular opinions is like people who actually enjoyed the ending of that game and see the value in it. Right, and I I know the story of that game, and I, I but I have not played it, so I don't know if that ending works for me. I know what it is, but I would have to play through the game and experience it to know if I really feel like that is a worthy uh, conclusion of the game. I don't know. Like while we're on the topic, what do you think, JP? You think that was a good conclusion, or did you have problems with it? I mean, of course I had problems with it. I had problems with the game in general, but I'm in the same boat as you where the ending of the game did not ruin the other 30 hours that I had put into the game. Um, I saw value in Ellie deciding to let Abby live. I essentially said, and I'm giving you a gross oversimplification because like I said, I made an hour and a half long review of this if you want to go find that. I'll Text me, I'll send it to you. But... <laughs> I said that the ending of that game was about Ellie having the ability to make a choice for herself because every choice that she's tried to make herself has been ripped away from her. And this was finally her opportunity to make a choice for herself of what she wanted to do. And she said, my choice is to let Abby live. Yeah, and I think I kind of empathize with the people who can rationally explain why they don't like the ending. I think the problem with the ending that I, as far as I understand from people that have explained it to me, is that the decision to spare Abby came from like a seemingly miraculous out of nowhere flashback rather than like you actually seeing character growth from Ellie after she descended into this cycle of violence, right? Because like the game is about cycles of violence, you know, Joel's cycle of violence caused Uh, Abby to get into it, which caused Ellie to get into it. And, you know, it's this it's like a running theme throughout the game and like how Abby finally broke out of the cycle of violence by sparing uh, pregnant Dina. Is that is that who it was? Just about. And I, I feel like you and I can sympathize with each other as Mass Effect and Last of Us fans where it's like if you try and express an opinion about this game that doesn't go with the status quo, 
you start getting berated. Like in the Last of Us community, it's suicide to tell someone that you like the game, The Last of Us Part Two, let alone how it ended. Oh yeah, I mean like <laughs> uh, one of the most popular like gaming channels, uh, Video Game Donkey, is like blasted for saying that Last of Us Two was one of the best games that came out in 2020. And- and that man, like the chat he is, just doubled down and made a response video about why everybody is stupid. I respect him for yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have yet to see somebody say that the actual gameplay and mechanics of that game are bad. Oh, no. People are giving it zeros out of tens for the story, and I'm sure it's the same thing with Mass Effect 3. Yeah. It's it, like oh, not God. even the entirety of the story. Just one thing that they didn't fucking like about it. And, I mean, there's there is... I would say there's certainly dips story-wise in Mass Effect 3. Don't get me wrong. Mass Effect 3 has incredibly high highs in story and also some pretty low lows in terms of quality, right? Like, it hits on, like, all these incredible emotional notes. But, you know, I'm going to just... I just attribute that to, like, I think they had a change in the lead writer of the game from the first... So the first two games were written by the same guy, and then the third game was written by somebody else. And so I'm just going to put the blame there because, you know, humans like to have someone to blame and uh, I'm no different from obviously. But that's that's my hot take. We've spent a little too much time on it. And, you know, I could talk about Mass Effect forever. So, JP, dude. Yeah. Well, the the whole point of this segment is just to like talk. I mean, honestly, it's just (laughs) unpopular opinions. Let's strike some conversations. Um, You ready for one of mine? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. So I'm trying to go lukewarm, too. Um, but a lot of these are pretty hot. So. <laughs> so I'll give you a simple one. Cyberpunk 2077 should have been a PC exclusive. Cyberpunk 2077 should never have been on a console because it wasn't designed to be on a console. So Cyberpunk 2077 had a lot holding it back when it first launched a lot of promises that the studio did not make but i think one of the other things that we touched on briefly on the podcast but not a whole lot is the fact that cyberpunk was showing off the game or project red was showing off the game from a pc which is considerably more powerful than any console on the market so people were mad when they picked up this game but no one more than pc or console players because the game played like garbage because the game looked like garbage and it's not the it's not entirely the game's fault it's just like the consoles don't have the power that this game needed to run as well as it should have But I mean, at the same time, it's like, okay, if you want this game to be what it's supposed to be, maybe you shouldn't have put it on consoles. You know, I'm actually I'm kind of with you to an extent. I think that this game should have never come out for previous gen consoles. I think that's where they ran into a lot of problems uh, development wise, according to what I have read. Um and because so, most of the returns came from console players, right? Yeah, I, I know, definitely. Um, it was, I mean, you know, you saw that PlayStation had to take it off the store entirely, and it only recently got restored. Yeah. So it's kind of, I I think it would have done better as a PC exclusive if it if it was PC exclusive entirely, and then was ported to con like next gen consoles later not coming out for like a xbox one or ps4 right i think i think the game would have turned out way better if they had 
had done it like that because I don't know he'd coming out for PC first it just it lets you do so much more without like constraining like resources to try to like get everything you want onto a weaker machine like a console exactly and a lot of the things that they had to take away to make cyberpunk work at that point just made it feel so much less of a good game like sin city is supposed to be this like las vegas style like town with lots of lights and lots of sounds and movement whether that be from cars and people and when you have to dumb down the game so that it can be processed on these older gen consoles that immersion is lost almost immediately because those are the first things that go now just for clarity i think you mean night city did i say sin city you said sin city that's from an avenge sevenfold song my bad <laughs> night city night city yes what may my point still stands <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think obviously I, this is a lot easier for us to say as people that have pcs but i really think like when you look at games that went from p like that were on pc for a while and then came to console i feel like those games turned out a lot better than trying to ship out a game that's ready for all of them especially under mm -hmm. the crunch that these developers were put under and we know that they were put under crunch for at least a year like a year of yeah. straight crunch which is so awful it it was it was bad for everybody it was bad for the developers it was bad for like cd project red because of how much backlash it got and it was horrible for gamers too because they got super excited for a product and then fucking got super not even disappointed they had all of their dreams and hopes shattered in that moment of playing this awesome game simply because they did not have the hardware this game was meant to be played on. Every other console on the market has exclusives. Why are we just saying that PC isn't included in that? I mean, PC obviously has some exclusives, but chances are you don't really hear about it because a lot of like a lot of indie titles only come to PC. That's true. Um, and so I think that there, oh man, it's just so hard to say. Like, it, it's so easy to say with hindsight that, you know, Cyberpunk should have just released for PC. But we, you know, when you look at games like, you know, Borderlands, like Borderlands, it not nearly, it doesn't have nearly the scope of like Cyberpunk, but Borderlands released on every console at the same time and didn't have a hitch. I really think that they didn't give themselves adequate time and like this, the board of directors and executives at CD Projekt Red really just rushed out a product that was not ready and like all of the developers that were working or told them that it would need at least another year and they were like well no <laughs> the best i can do is 30 days <laughs> yeah. it's it's such a fuck situation and like we talk about crunch all the time like cd project red you know pretty much any game developer other than like apparently insomniac which wow Insomniac is fucking killing it. All right, there's no doubt about that. But yeah, like, you know, you, you see Naughty Dog and CD Projekt Red. Like, those are the two big ones that we've seen recently, just like crunching their developers, even though by th I'm pretty sure both of those devs were like, yeah, no, our next game's no crunch. It's going to be regular work weeks, no, like, forced overtime, you know, and then <laughs> next thing you know, yeah, actually, no, uh, we were doing all of those things. Well, I'm hoping by seeing what happened to CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk, that's going to become less of an issue. But I mean, it's such an industry wide problem that CD Projekt Red taking the hit 
and the spotlight, if anything, was like, oh, good, the spotlight's on someone else. Quick, crunch the devs. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh my God. It, it, it's really such an irritating issue. And it, like, it sucks, especially because, I mean, we as the consumer, I, I feel, you know, kind of like powerless to it because sure, I can not buy the game, but like I boycotts of game, like boycotts of anything just feel so useless anymore because nothing ever seems to come of a boycott. I think that is the end of my unpopular opinion. All right. Uh, let's hear one of yours. What do you got next? Um, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to my hottest take here. Why? <laughs> well, you know, let's not, let's tip the scales. All right. We, we started on one end. Let's go to the exact opposite end. Okay. I think that RuneScape is an objectively better uh, MMO than WoW. <gasps> wow. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> and I say objectively, like, it's obviously subjective, but I say objectively just because, like, I think the things that exist in RuneScape are more accessible to everybody than anything in WoW ever is. I think it's so much easier to like pick up runescape and grind than it is to pick up wow and start grinding you know like uh i if i pick up runescape and i start playing i'm not worried about like somebody yelling at me because i you know messed up a tiny mechanic here but if i pick up wow i'm scared to play without a group of friends because i i am like certain that there's somebody in the community that's going to be pissed if i mess something up now, it goes beyond just the because that's a player base issue, right? Not an actual game issue. Yeah. Um, I think RuneScape has a grind that is more satisfying to accomplish than what WoW is. Because RuneScape, like you put in the hours and you're pretty much you're guaranteeing yourself that you're going to get X, Y or Z. Like you're going to level up the skill or what have you. Anymore in World of Warcraft, it's not really about that leveling. It's about gearing up your player and it, you're gearing up your player relies on these random drops that you like uh -huh. <laughs> you have to go to these specific places to get this exact item to get it from this exact boss and if this if that boss doesn't drop the item that you're looking for well you're just fucked and so you have to restart the thing again and sometimes it takes upwards of like 30 minutes to get to that point and you have to keep doing it over and over again and you have to do this for every slot on your character and i do not think that is like a fun game design and I think RuneScape, even though it is this, it is a similar grinding mechanic, it is a more fun and better grind as far as MMOs go than what WoW currently has. Like, I think it it is better to, like, see those skills level up and see your character, like, hitting stronger because you leveled up rather than right. because you grinded for a piece of gear. That is a hot take. <laughs> um, here's where here's where I agree and here's where I disagree I think that RuneScape is way more accessible than WoW which is obvious right because RuneScape is free to play where they hide like certain areas and mechanics and items behind a paywall yeah and World of Warcraft it's like nope you pay that monthly fee but then you get everything right so RuneScape's probably more accessible for sure and you are it's also like if you want to get into MMORPGs, like RuneScape is way better to get into to get you started than World of Warcraft is for the reasons you just highlighted. I totally agree with all of that. But I feel like the mechanics, like mechanic wise, 
runescape can get shallow and that like if you're really looking for deeper mechanics and like a deeper like connection to the lore and the story and the world that's where that's where world of warcraft shines so you say that but world of warcraft is so bad at delivering its story to you like if you want to get the story of world of warcraft like outside of just cutscenes you have to read like these giant like text scrolls for of like your quests and let me tell you not a single person is reading those like fucking like quest givers like dialogue all right like it, world of warcraft is not good at giving you the lore and story of its world and so i i see it in in its in a term of like or uh, in the way of world building it's kind of on mm-hmm. equal ground with runescape because it's so bad at delivering its lore obviously it has deeper lore and story than what runescape has but it just is so bad at giving that to anybody that it doesn't really matter interesting i mean this uh, honest if i'm being 100 honest i've never played world of warcraft everything that i know about this game comes from my friend zach <laughs> <laughs> um I have played RuneScape, though, and I did enjoy my time with RuneScape. But then again, like, what exactly is the story of RuneScape? Is like, like, is RuneScape any better in delivering exposition than World of Warcraft is? I think they're both. I I feel like they're just both bad. Right. But the thing is, RuneScape doesn't really care about its story, whereas World of Warcraft is like pretending to. That is a really interesting point. And now I'm going to get into something that I think a lot of people are going to point out is like, well, you have to like grind for items in RuneScape as well. And I don't know if that's necessarily as true as it is in WoW. Like in RuneScape, when I was grinding for items, quote unquote, like it was like I need to replace my pickaxe with like the next tier higher pickaxe. But it was super easy to get the next tier higher pickaxe. And like even then, like my gaming experience wasn't like ruined because I didn't have that. But like in World of Warcraft, like you can't do these like raids and dungeons if you don't have like the best in slot gear. Otherwise, your character just, you know, you're not putting out the damage or you're not tanking as well or healing as well. What have you? Yes. And I I, I don't know how. Uh, how much RuneScape follows that triad that, you know, MMOs like to do where. You have your DPS, your tank, and your healer. I don't know uh-huh. if uh, RuneScape does that as much. Um, but World of Warcraft is clinging to that as tight as possible. And I just think that that isn't... It doesn't make for a very engaging like playstyle. Because if you're, if you're constantly locked down to doing one thing, I feel like it gets pretty boring. And like in RuneScape do everything on one character you know yeah okay that was a good take i i, I don't know if it's a good take it's it's certainly a half-baked unpopular it's an opinion. interesting it's an interesting take i'll give you that it's interesting i'm sure there's a world of warcraft person that could like drive me into the dirt but for me i i think that as far as mmos runescape is just a generally better and more accessible one than wow but moving on to your next hot take all right, I'm going to go with a more another like more subtle hot take, but it has to do with like consoles rather than games like games. I do not think Xbox is the most user friendly console anymore. I think 
PlayStation has taken that crown, although I see how you could make a case that they're about on equal terms now, but like Xbox users love saying that like their console is the most user friendly. And if we were two console generations ago, that would have been absolutely 100% true because PS3's interface was fucking terrible, awful, garbage. And Xbox's was good and then they made it better. But then when it came to the PS4, they improved greatly from what they had in the PS3. And I don't know if you would call it better than what Xbox had because they had it down so early, um, but it was getting better. And then now with the police, with the PlayStation 5 interface, I am completely sold. I love PlayStation 5's interface. There's two simple tabs for media versus gaming. The games are all laid out there super nice for you in, this, in these nice uniform boxes. Same with all your media apps. It's just, it's so streamlined. It looks so nice. I like the art that they make for like all the apps and the games. It's really, really nice. And meanwhile, Xboxes is still good. It's not bad, but they haven't really done much to change it up at all. And so therefore, by comparison, it's not nearly as impressive. You know, when Xbox people are talking about why Xbox is better than PlayStation. And again, we do not have a dog in that race. Like we're fans of gaming, period. But they always bring up the fact that their console is more user friendly. And I just do not think that is true anymore. So what I would say is that I think I do not think that the PlayStation 4's uh, interface was very user friendly. Like, to be honest, uh, to be honest, I still can't get through like a lot of it. I, I know how to get to my game and occasionally I can find out how to delete games. But like, it's always like a dig, you know, whereas like the Xbox mm-hmm. 360, I feel like I could find everything so easily and it all made a lot of sense. And then I think Xbox right. 360 downgraded to the Xbox one. Like, I feel like it got worse in the Xbox you think one. So? Yeah. Um, and as for the Xbox series, I haven't seen it in PlayStation five. I've only had limited exposure to it, so I can't make my take on that. But I will say that like Xbox one and PS4 both did not have great user interface and i think xbox 360s was the best currently the three of like what i've seen like between ps4 xbox one and uh, nintendo switch i would actually give it to the nintendo switch <laughs> what no just between like I, since i can't talk about the xbox series or the playstation 5 yeah ps4 xbox one and a nintendo switch i would have to give to the switch i can i can find stuff decently easy on the switch so the switch has no The Switch has very limited access to like any streaming or any web browsing or anything like that. They don't. The only streaming site they have is Hulu. I don't know why, but it's Hulu. (laughs) And let me tell you something. I fucking hate how it just intermingles in with like the rest of my game library. I hate how there's no dividing line between like, here are your games. Here's your streaming content. I don't like that. I would actually argue Nintendo's is probably my least favorite out of any of them for for those reasons not to like it's it's not even that nintendo's is bad it's just like that's the one thing that annoys me but also it's hard to complain about because they don't have any streaming services besides hulu and then you can complain about that instead (laughs) it's like your complaint gets answered by another complaint see and like uh uh, do you know much about the Xbox Series interface? Because I I can't really speak on it at all. I don't think I've seen it even briefly. 
My exposure to it has shown me that it is honestly not that much different from what the Xbox One had. Okay. Whereas, like, I see a really big upgrade between the PS4 and the PS5. I think they pretty much went with the same OS for Xbox. All right, yeah. I, I think and that's... I, I, I've seen and even PS5. If it's all, yeah. And there is definitely an upgrade between that and the PS4. Like, there's no doubt about it. They fixed up that main screen real nice. I, I don't even think PS4s was that bad. But, like, I, I guess my point is at this point in the quote-unquote console wars i don't think you can use xbox's leverage of well we're more usually user-friendly anymore i just don't think you can i and let's be real like i feel like that argument was always just because xbox didn't have the games to like fight with playstation fans for a long time oh oh most definitely it was always a second tier argument but like at this point you can't even make it anymore yeah, well, now they have Game Pass, so. Yeah, if any, and they do. They flaunt Game Pass, as they should, because Game Pass is fucking awesome. But don't talk to me about user-friendliness anymore. You know, on this topic, I mean, I feel like uh, this kind of will relate nicely. I, I'm teetering on the opinion that PlayStation's, like, game streaming platform was, like, PS Now. Yep. I think that's getting pretty close to competing decently with Xbox's Game Pass. Really? Because uh, like PlayStation has this like they have this huge like all these legacy games, right? That you can play on PlayStation now. Uh, and I think that, you know, if you really like those like legacy, like huge hitter games, then PlayStation now is probably better than Game Pass for you. Whereas Game Pass what? has Game Pass has a lot of really good current like AAA titles. Now yeah. PlayStation Now, if you if you exclude like all of those legacy titles, they're kind of they they're definitely lacking. But like I don't know, I see no reason to leave those out because I mean they're a huge part of like what PlayStation has been in the past. And from what I understand about PS now, what I understand about PS now is this. It used to really, really suck. It used to be a horrible, horrible deal. And there's nothing they decided to do about it until Xbox's service came out. And they're like, okay, we need something to compete with Microsoft because Game Pass is fucking amazing and they're killing it. Well, here's this service that we've had for a while that nobody really likes that much. Let's make it fucking better. But to be honest, I haven't looked into it all that much, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and that that again is just one of my more half-baked takes, just because like from what I've seen, there's some classics on PS Now that you can you can get access to. And like mm -hmm. Xbox is really hammering, like, look, this is a brand new game, AAA, and you can get it day one on Game Pass. Right. And like like you could you could play like 2K21 on Game Pass day one. And, uh, you know, PS Now is like, we got NBA 2K18. <laughs> you still like that one? I mean, I think there's definitely more value in being able to play the latest and greatest for your awesome subscription fee than there is in PlayStation Now service of, you can get all the classics, you know, I like not to say there's not value in that because I think that's really cool too 
but I definitely see the value more in going with like Game Pass over PS Now, even if everything you've said so far is true about it. Right. I mean, it, it, um, it's definitely PS Now is definitely more of like a uh, let me get this, play all these, play all of my like old favorite childhood like PlayStation games, and then I can never use it again. Whereas like Game Pass will keep you up to date with like the current gen, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, that was, that was a good take. That was a good complimentary take to my take. Yeah, so does that mean I should go again now or do you want to do another one of yours? Because uh, Was that a take that you already had? No, that was that was just kind of one that I had tacked onto yours. That I, All I right, thought fuck of it, give me another about. one of your takes. All right, um... I don't know how hot of a take this is, but I have gotten in arguments over this before. Um, I think games that don't have a story mode shouldn't be $60, like, or $60 or more. I could see you making an argument for either side of this. See, from my experience, what I've been seeing is, like, especially in, like, the genre of, like, Call of Duty and Battlefield, they drop the story mode and they're like, oh, yeah, but we focused more on multiplayer and... Uh, we added a battle royale and it's like I know for a fact that because of how quick the turnaround on making battle royales was that it does not take much effort to make one hell like one of like the old like uh, MOBA-esque games I used to play battle right they they made a battle royale mode in like a month or two all right you are not spending as much time making a battle royale as you are a story mode so there's less time and resources going into it so if you're gonna chip uh-huh. me of a story and just give me multiplayer and battle royale, I don't think I should have to pay $60 for it. For me, it's not as much about the story itself. It's like uh, it's like the amount and quality of content that you're paying for. Like, at the time, you could totally justify paying $60 for Overwatch, even though it's completely multiplayer exclusive. There's no story. Uh, there is a story, but you don't figure out about any of it in game. You go to YouTube, you figure out about a little of it in game during passing conversations before the actual game takes place. But Overwatch is a game that's full of good content. See, I don't even I... think Overwatch should be $60. Like if I think it should mm, be like okay. $30. $30, huh? Yeah, I mean, they also have, it's it's ridden with microtransactions. Like, come on. Your money isn't not, coming from the base value of that game. Not paywall transactions, though. Like, no, it's mostly like, let's be real, like the most of their money, most of the income from Overwatch isn't from the people paying $60 to play it. Well, not anymore because the game's been out for a while, but I see your point. Right. And because of its longevity, especially, they've gotten more from microtransactions by a long shot than they have from the just the base value of the game. And so, OK, like if Overwatch 2 is going to have a story, which I think they've pretty much confirmed that it is like I'm fine with paying $60 because a story takes like a lot of time and effort to make and, you know, create. So but that's a blanket statement of saying, well, OK, this need this needs a story mode or else I'm not willing to pay the 60. What about like games where they're meant to be multiplayer, but they throw in a story mode, take like any Call of Duty made in the last six years or I don't know. This is a weird example, but Super Mario Maker 2. Like, everyone knows we are buying this for the online multiplayer and the maps, but there's technically a story. Um, that's a case where I would say probably doesn't need to be $60, but 
It's Nintendo, so they'll charge $60 for anything that has the title Nintendo on it. Nintendo presents Shoots and Ladders. <laughs> like, when I played Modern Warfare 1, Modern Warfare 2, honestly, let's say like all the way through Black Ops, all of those had like a, a, at least good to decent story and a great right. multiplayer that people really enjoyed. Now, can we really say that the multiplayer is so much better in these next games that it alone is worth $60? I don't think so. I think that the multiplayer doesn't evolve too much from game to game and that it's not worth like paying $60 just for a multiplayer mode plus a battle royale. Okay. Okay. That's a good take. Yeah, uh, that's... I, I argue about that one. Or I used to argue about that one quite a bit. I think I think it's a good argument. I think you're coming from a good place on that one. I just I see it more from a content standpoint rather than just like the blanket. Does this have a story? See, I mean, a story is like a, a lot of content on its own, even even if it's like a shorter story. Like, uh, what was it? Uncharted? What was it? Drake's Descent? Like the story of that is only like four hours long, but it's a good story and people are willing to pay $60 for it. Fair enough. All right, um, I've got a super hot take that I don't think anybody's ready for. All right, let me hear it. N64 games have aged terribly. And I mean, older games in general have aged terribly, right? It's no secret, but I feel like most N64 games have the disadvantage of having these great games that came after. Let me explain. Let me explain. In my fraternity house, everybody always wanted to play the first Super Smash Bros on the N64. And I fucking hated it. I do, it pl it doesn't play well. It doesn't play well at all. It looks terrible. It's laggy. The mechanics are awful. And melee was such a huge upgrade in literally every single way that I could never go back to playing the OG Super Smash Bros. again. It's not fun. But then I started to notice a trend where I felt the same way about other N64 games. The original Mario Kart, I fucking hate it. I hate it so much It for the same reasons. It doesn't play well. The mechanics are bad. It doesn't look that great. You hit a banana peel and you spin out four seconds later. It's not good. <laughs> Doom. Doom doesn't look that great anymore. It doesn't play that well. There's only a few exceptions to this trend that I have noticed so far. GoldenEye 007 is timeless. You know what? Honestly, that might be it. Me maybe a couple of Donkey Kong games, maybe a couple of Mario what about, uh, Super Mario 64. Mario 64. Mario 64 obviously is an exception to that rule. But that's like three or four titles in a vast array Pokemon Stadium. of N64 games. What? Pokemon Stadium. <laughs> oh, you're going to make me say something, aren't you? Going to make Pokemon you say Pokemon Stadium was okay. My man's where, where's, where's your head at? I know Pokemon State. Okay, Pokemon Stadium is fun, but I don't like. That's why this is a hot take. It's just like I feel like by today's standards, like how well does it hold up against like other times they've tried to emulate something like Pokemon Stadium? And to be fair, that hasn't been a lot. Pokemon Stadium was the one that also had like all those little mini games, like Rattata Race and okay. make the Lickitung eat all this stuff. You know what? Forget everything I just said. You're right. Pokemon Stadium is on that list too. But come on, give me more. Give me any more that have not seen improvement. Pokemon Snap. 
I like the new Pokemon Snap way more than I like the old Pokemon Snap. I don't like either of them, so I mean, I I, I just brought that up because I thought it I would was be. like, I know you don't care. Like Pokemon Snap, the old one, there were seven maps. They had like sixty Pokemon total. You know, me and Zar beat that game in four hours. Pokemon Snap, the new one for the Switch, they have made better in every single way. There's more places to go. There's way more Pokemon. There's more ways to interact with the world. You know, you actually level up in the levels where more things happen the more you play them. There's Night Mode. They made the new Pokemon Snap better in literally every way. Next question. All right, how about Perfect Dark? Never played it. I really can't speak of it much, to be honest with you. All right, how about Star Fox 64? Dude, I mean, okay, you might have me with Star Fox 64 too. Because Star Fox 2, hmm, let me think on that. There really has not been another great Star Fox 64. There hasn't. I'll give that to you. I might include Star Fox. All right, what do you think about Star Wars Pod Racer? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't Come know. On, the mechanics of... in that game were so bad. <laughs> I remember I had a, I had a ton of fun. Yeah, it's fun, but I mean, like, it just doesn't hold up. I have fond memories, but they should stay those just memories. Uh, you know, if I could go back to Perfect Dark, I, I wonder if it would still. I, I remember that was another game that I, I really like thinking back on, and I had a lot of fun with it. But maybe it doesn't hold up. Who knows? Star Fox, I feel like, definitely holds up, though. Star Fox is one of the ones that I will give you. And the more the more I go on with this list, the more I'm like finding things to like uh, contradict what I just said, because obviously then you've got the Zelda games, you know. But after having like the after having like Majora's Mask remastered for the um, 3DS, I don't really want to go back to the version that was on the N64. Also, I mean, the N64 controller, maybe this is a hot take. I don't think it is. I think it's an objectively bad controller. It is the worst controller ever made in gaming. I would say that's any motion controller, but, you know, go ahead. I disagree with that. I think the Wiimote was really well done. Um, but that's that's another thing is like with the N64 is the fucking controller. Like, what were they thinking with that thing? I, I don't understand the three prongs in any way, shape, or form. Like, for, for look, all those people that want to grip it in the middle and then a real close grip on either side. Right. I mean, we can even do more. Like, Harvest Moon. Like, they've improved Harvest Moon games in every way since the N64. Um, Mario Golf. Toadstool Tour on the GameCube, way better. Mario Party 3. Um, Mario Party has been... Eh! Mario Party got really good and then really bad again, and now I feel like they're trying to get it back. I feel like they peaked on the GameCube version on Mario Party, though. Like, I guess that's really what the take is here, is everything the GameCube did to make these games better made them way better for the most part, with the exceptions of, like, Pokemon Stadium, Super Mario 64, you know, 007. Just, like, a couple of games, but everything else, I could give or take. Yeah, I mean... And honestly, I guess this might be I you could maybe say that like GameCube kind of just took a lot of the stuff that a Nintendo 64 did and made it better like Smash Bros. You know, Smash Bros. gets way better on the GameCube. 
I think Mario, like Mario 64 gets way better with Sunshine, even though I'm not even into those games. Like, I think that Sunshine objectively played better for me. Per subjectively, I'm going to stop saying objectively. Subjectively, I think Sunshine yeah. played better um, than 64. Um, they never made a good Star Fox for the, the GameCube, so hard to make a comparison there. Um, that is true. Then oh, what else is there? Um, I I don't know. Like one of Czar's favorite games of all time is Conker's Bad Fur Day. And I'm pretty sure there was a GameCube version of like Conker, like reignited or something. Something along those lines. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds right. Yeah, so it, it's like it if, if uh if a game came out on 64 and they tried it like they tried it again on GameCube, I, there's a pretty good chance they did it better on GameCube for a lot of reasons. And I mean, I know and it's so simple. It's the fact that the GameCube just had more power and developers got better. That's why it was better. But still, when people insist, oh, I don't want to play the super polished Super Smash Bros. Melee. I want to play the good Super Smash Bros. from 1999 where nobody knows what's going on and it's terrible. <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with you? Who are you trying to impress here? We all know that clearly Smash Bros. Melee is the better game. Why are you torturing us all? <laughs> I guess is ultimately what I'm trying to say. All right, well, JP, we've been talking for about 45 minutes now, maybe 40 minutes-ish. You want to do one more hot take and then we get out of here? I've got one of my own, but I think it is your turn. Got, so I would you this. like to... You got this? All right, make it juicy. All right, um, for you... Um, you made this one thinking of me? Come on, don't do that. Um, I think that Red Dead Redemption 2 is not a top tier game like it's not it's not an 8 out of 10 it's not a 9 out of 10 it's not a 10 out of 10 it's like a 7 out of 10 all right and that is a huge compliment by the way but you know to games, who? but games media has broken our brains to think that 7 out of 10 is an average to like below average game I know, but I'm still offended. Look, I understand that like everything above five, you could start to consider like okay to above average, but I'm still offended that you think it's a 7.5. So explain yourself. So Red Dead Redemption 2 is a game that way overstays its welcome. The story gets extremely repetitive after I want to say it's chapter five. And like while they have great characters that are well written and voiced well those characters uh, i don't know they don't carry the story well enough after that point in chapter five to where i would i really was so invested that i had to finish i was more okay. finished because of i finished the game because i felt like the sunk cost fallacy thing where it's like I've spent this much time in the game. I just have to get to the end. Not because I cared about these characters anymore, just because I wanted to be done because I had already invested way too much time. And on top of that, I felt like the shooting in the game was not too much improved from Red Dead Redemption 1. Um, I mean, the added mechanics of like cleaning your horse and cleaning your gun, I thought just added tedium. Um, they gave you way too much money 
way too early in the game to the point where like I, I literally could go into any store, buy everything and leave and be just fine. I think that mm-hmm. the wanted system in the game is broken and inconsistent to say the least. And uh, okay. I think these are all sufficient knocks to bring it down to a seven out of 10. Here is where I agree with you. The wanted system in the game is definitely broken. The fact that I can kill somebody and then run away and then two minutes later, it's like wanted Arthur Morgan. It's like, how do you know? (laughs) Or like you're robbing a train and then apparently like a a sheriff in like three towns over had a that's so Raven vision and was like, there's a crime going on and I know exactly who's doing it. Yeehaw. I so here I will give you that. The wanted system is broken. It was not implemented as well as it could be. Um, The only other thing that I am willing to give you here where you may have a point is too much money too early. You are right. I mean, by a third of the way through the game, you couldn't get the guns I wanted because they were locked, but I had the money for them. So that's the point. I pretty much 100% decked out my camp. I had the horse that I want. Like, I, you know what? I agree. Those two things, you totally have a fucking point. I 100% agree. Here's where you're wrong. (laughs) You can't knock at points for being no different in shooting mechanics from Red Dead Redemption 1 if it was already damn near perfect. That's the thing. I don't think it was perfect in Red Dead Redemption 1. I think that it needed What could they have done to improve it? What could they have done to improve it, I I, guess, is my question. It felt very, like, I could pop out of cover, instantly lock onto somebody, and then pop back under cover. And, like, even, like, running into cover felt like it got worse, actually. Like, I felt like I could take cover easier in Red Dead Redemption 1, but, like, in Red Dead Redemption 2, it seems like Arthur Morgan is... He has to think real hard before getting into cover when I'm like pushing him (laughs) against this wall or this like chest high log or what have you. And like, again, the shooting mechanics don't make me feel good because the game just like auto aimed for me. I mean, sure, there was auto aiming, but that's actually kind of like where it made it easy because in that in the middle of the fast paced action, yeah, it auto locked. But if you wanted to get any of the good shots, you did have to like aim yourself. And over time, like, you know, getting better at the aiming for the head on top of like your like slow down time ability. I think it's called Deadeye get better. Like it felt rewarding. It felt rewarding to get those shots. And every once in a while seeing that cutscene of like, ooh, that was a good shot, man. I never got sick of that. I thought it was very good. And the shooting mechanics, I, the weapon wheel was implemented well. The different ammo was implemented well. You know, looting was implemented you think well. think the weapon wheel was implemented well? What about all the times where, like, you'd get on your horse and, like, your guy puts the gun on the horse, you get off the horse, and then all of a sudden it's like, where, all right, where the hell is my rifle? Oh, better get back on my horse and take off the rifle because my guy decided to put it on the horse without even letting me know. I'll give it to you that it was tedious to have to get your weapon back after you had just gotten it and then got on your horse. But I'm thinking more like in moment fighting action, the weapon wheel was implemented well. If you have what you need and you get in a fight and you start going like you can keep the fight feeling quick while getting everything you need. And that's what like Red Dead Redemption should be is like where the feeling the shooting feels satisfying. And where like you feel like you're pulling out weapons quickly and where like there's stakes in taking time to do these things because there are there's a challenge behind Red Dead Redemption. 
Um, cleaning the horse and the gun. I, I don't know. Is it really that tedious of like you play for an hour? You play for a couple hours. You're doing things and all of a sudden it's like, hey, man, take 30 seconds to clean your gun. Again, it's just it's, it's these things that add tedium, right? Like cleaning the horse and the gun or like the, you know, like the 30 seconds to like skin an animal. Like I, I'm I'm not like one of the people that's like all mad about like the grotesque nature of skinning an animal. It's it's the time element that like it felt like the game was deliberately wasting my time or like making a camp, you know? Oh, my God. Making a camp felt like it wasted so much time. Okay, here's the thing. These are arbitrary opinions where I can't tell you you're wrong. But scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> like you've acknowledged before that this is an unpopular opinion of yours. Yeah, absolutely. How you feel about Red Dead Redemption. Um, the only other thing I want to say is the story and the characters. Look, I'll give this to you. Chapter five, the whole Guarma thing did not need to be in there. That felt like a waste of time. But chapter every chapter one through four and chapter six, I feel like you see an arc, like a huge, great story of like how charismatic and nice and like down to earth Dutch seems in Arthur's eyes. And then seeing it all fall apart over time. You see Dutch do things that are questionable. You, you know, start to see members of your own gang leave because they acknowledge it and like trying to process Arthur's more Arthur's feelings about it. Like, I feel like the story is actually really superb in the way that it gives you clues and like almost the way like you feel what Arthur Morgan is feeling when you see Dutch do something questionable. I like I feel like that was so incredibly well done. And chapter five felt out of place. And then the epilogue with John Marston. I'll give this to you. Yes, it overstayed its welcome just a tad, but not enough for me is that enough for me to justify giving it a 9.5 in my opinion yes and others no but it certainly does not justify justify a 7.5 that's ridiculous mm. like what other games have i given that would be a 7.5 out of 10 that's like saying red dead redemption 2 is on par with like slime rancher that's like saying red dead redemption 2 is on par with i don't even know what do i have here that's a 7.5 out of 10 in my opinion I don't even know. I mean, I'm, I'm defending this point, though. Um, I, that puts uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 on par with uh, Mass Effect Andromeda for me. Or actually, just barely above Mass Effect Andromeda. Now, what's interesting is you've said before that that's like a 7.5. What you're giving Red Dead Redemption 2, a 7.5, is about on par with what you've given Spider-Man. Yeah. What? But... That's ridiculous I, that those two the, games are rated so low for you. That's you see, your your mind is broken by like these modern like games journalists saying that like a 7.5 or a 7 is an average game. That is an above average good game. I understand damn well how the rating system for you works. I'm just like baffled still that you think that those games are just slightly above average. When like when there's so many other games that I consider just slightly above average, like again, it, it's arbitrary between people, right? But like that's a game. I'm thinking other games where I've given it a seven point five out of ten, and Red Dead Redemption Two is way better than those games. 
I mean, you know, and again, this like the, the thing is, these are purely opinions. And exactly. So, I under, yeah, I understand that. You know, like you've gotten a ton of enjoyment out of Red Dead Redemption 2. And I got enjoyment to a point, and then a lot of the things in the game started to bug me, which made me think less of it. I and I even understand where you're coming from. I guess the real question is how much how many points am I willing to take off this game score for these things? How much did they bother me? And I'm going to say not that much. You know, See, compared that's to the very person to person and that's totally fine, but for me right, they definitely right. were much more game dampening like and for you, I mean, I'm sure that if you barely even noticed it, then it's not a big deal. Interesting. But for me, it was I actively noticed it every time. And, you know, the audible sigh every time I was like, all right, well, time to skin the animal again. I might as well pull out my phone. Oh, it wasn't even that long. Yeah, you know, I had enough time for, uh, like, you know, a few rounds of uh, play a couple games of League of Legends while he's skinning a wolf. Oh, my God. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think we're done. Hey, I think that's, I mean, that's a good closing. <laughs> I mean, I have more. Let's get this straight right now. We're going to have to do this again in the future because I do have more. I've got a lot more. In fact, I have two that I really wanted to get to that I couldn't. But we are we are running out the clock here, and I want to make sure Zara has ample time to edit this. So, Peaches, this is a good segment idea. Yeah, well, I'm excited to get uh, Zara and Zach in on this. I'm curious to hear what some of their unpopular opinions would be. You know what I'm really not looking forward to is people retaliating on us at, on Twitter or on my phone. Oh, dude, that's the best part. The hate mail. Like, do you remember how great it would be when you're playing like, you're playing Call of Duty and you just absolutely owned this kid and he sends you some hate mail and it just makes your day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do remember I, that. I it's... live for the hate mail. Yeah, those were nice. I didn't like the racial slurs, but other than that... Yeah, no, the racial slurs were much less fun, but you know. Well, you know what they say. If you can make it on Xbox Live, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who says that, but they probably should stop. <laughs> so you should say new things. <laughs> All right, man. That is going to do it for this episode of the Game Tea Podcast. So uh, we will see you in the next episode. You just got your Game Tea? Bye? Later. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> if you like what you heard today and you're looking for more ways to get your game tea fixed, check us out on Patreon. With bronze, silver, and gold tiers starting at $2 a month, there are several incredible rewards you can receive for supporting the show, such as a follow from us on Twitter, access to a monthly Q&A session, an invitation to our private Discord server, and even bonus episodes of the podcast only accessible to patrons. Your donations will be used to make the show even better. The link to Patreon is in the description with our social media, so go check it out. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Game Tea Podcast.